Welcome to the teaching ministry of Grace Baptist Church in Santa Maria, California. Join our pastors as they share biblical principles of God's transforming grace so that you may learn God's word in order to live God's way. Good morning, Grace. Let's open our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3. Is it biblical to join a church? Is it biblical to kick somebody out of the church, to exclude them from the church? That's what we're going to talk about today. While you're making your way to Ephesians 3, um, I want to point out to you that if you have not signed up for our daily email devotional, there's directions inside the bulletin for you to do so. We'd like to send out a daily devotional to help, help us keep the gospel before us. Uh, and to let you know that at the beginning of the week on Monday or Tuesday, I'm going to try to have the devotionals be centered around our fighter verse for the week. So as you're memorizing God's word, uh, we want to put a devotional that kind of explains it and directs your attention to God's word, uh, particularly about that verse. Also, sermon manuscripts are always available online, and I am now including study questions in case your Sunday school class or your small group wants to discuss uh, the, the previous week's sermon. There are some questions on there as well. I tell you that, that the sermon manuscript is available because we're going to cover a lot of material this week, a lot of passages, and if you want to sit back and you are not fast moving through the Bible, we're going to look at various passages. All of the uh, information that we talk about today will be available online. Lastly, I want to let you know that next week uh, we will be starting the book of Jonah. So if you want to go ahead and start reading, I know you're familiar with it. I know you think it's about a whale, but I'm going to try to prove over the next seven or eight weeks that it's not about a fish. So if you want to start reading in Jonah, let's pray before we begin. Father, thank you so much for your relentless grace, which we're going to talk about when we look at the book of Jonah. We know, Father, that we exist for your glory, and it is through the church that you display your glory. Would you help us to understand what that means as we look at another angle of discipleship today? Help us to be your people, reflecting your glory to the physical and spiritual world, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Ephesians 3.10 says, So that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. We're finishing up our series on the discipleship, looking at it from a, a different angle today, trying to understand what it means to be a church and why uh, church membership and church discipline are important to us as we are called as members of the body of Christ to declare God's glory. One of my favorite TV shows growing up was The Little Rascals. Maybe you remember them. Spanky, Stymie, Buckwheat, Froggy, Alfalfa, Darla. Remember the gang? They were fun to watch growing up for me. Some of my favorite episodes centered around the He-Man Woman Haters Club. Maybe you remember uh, the, the, the stories involved in that, the episodes. This club limited its membership to smelly, dirt-covered boys. They didn't like girls except for Alfalfa, the one maverick who had uh, an amazing eight-year-old devotion and love for Darla, right? This is the pledge of the He-Man Woman Haters Club led by Stymie. He says, everyone raise your right hand. Then he rolls his eyes and sighs and says, no, your other right hand. 
I stymie, member in good standing of the He-Man Woman Haters Club, do solemnly swear to be a He-Man and hate women and not play with them or talk to them unless I have to, and especially never fall in love. And if I do, may I die slowly and painfully and suffer for hours or until I scream bloody murder. I'm no longer a part of that club. But as a little boy... I would have joined. There's something about belonging to a group. There's something in our DNA as human beings that God has wired us for community. We were made to live with other people in community. It should be no surprise to us because the triune God that we serve, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, have dwelled together in community with one another forever in eternity past. So it shouldn't surprise us that God created us with this inherent desire to belong to something, to belong to a community. Maybe one of your favorite TV shows wasn't The Little Rascals, even though they were called a, The Gang, right? Our gang. They were involved in a group. Maybe you watched Cheers. Cheers had its pulse on us as human beings. We all want to belong. We all want to go to a place where everybody knows our name. They were tapping into our natural DNA as human beings that we were made by God to belong to a people, specifically the church. Today we're going to be talking about church membership and church discipline. I know these are not heart-stirring topics. I know you're not thinking, yes, I've been waiting, Pastor Benji, for you to talk about church membership and church discipline. Oh, I can't wait. I've got my seatbelt on, Benji, because I'm so excited to hear. I know this is not a heart-stirring topic, but membership and discipline in the church are very important for disciples to understand. When Jesus called you to himself, he called you to follow him and to belong to a community of disciples called the church. He called you to be a part of the church local and the church universal. And in order for us to be busy about the task of making disciples, making disciples, we must understand church membership and church discipline. Today I'm going to show you that I believe church membership and church discipline are not only very important, but I'm going to show you that I think they are biblical. I think they're in the Bible. I think the Bible teaches church membership and church discipline. Church membership, we'll see, is implicit in the Bible, and church discipline is explicit in the Bible. Here's our big idea for today. One of the healthiest things you can do for your spiritual life is to connect with a local church. One of the healthiest things you can do for your spiritual life is to connect here at this church or some other local church if you're visiting. Here's what I mean. If you are a disciple, you are made to connect with other disciples in a local church. And by connect, I mean get involved, be a part, participate, serve, and give. And one or two of the ways that you can do that is by becoming a church member and understanding church discipline. But too often, church connection for us is seen simply as going to church, hearing a sermon, and maybe giving or maybe serving, and then going home. That's it for many people. Connecting to a church is that, hey, I connected because I came in and sat down and listened to you, and then I went home. That was connection. That's church for so many people. 
But one thing, and not the only thing, that you can do to be a healthy disciple is to join a church. Understand, you can still join a church and not be a healthy disciple. You might be a member of this church right now and you're totally disengaged. You can be a member of a church and not be healthy spiritually. So I'm not saying that joining a church is like automatically you're a healthy disciple. Churches are full of disciples who are members but aren't healthy, aren't involved, aren't serving. I would much rather see a thousand people truly connected in the body who aren't members than have a thousand people who went through the membership class but were totally disengaged and weren't living life in community. So when I say connection, I mean I mean, I want you to get connected through this church, through church membership, okay? But understand, church membership is not a magic wand that suddenly if you join the church, you give. All of a sudden, you're like, I became a member last week and now I want to give to the church. Or I became a member last week and now I want to serve. It's not a magic wand. I'm not trying to get you to become a member because suddenly you're going to change. And it's like, yes, they'll give and we'll get more money. Yes, they'll, they'll start serving if they become a member. It's not a magic wand. Pastor Greg's going to lead the new members class over the next two weeks. He's not going to do like the Jedi trick and say, you will now give and serve at the church. There's nothing magical about it. We're not trying to, you know, we're not hucksters. We're not, we're not salesmen, snake oil salesmen, or I don't know why people would sell that in the past. We're not doing that but we believe it's healthy for you. It's good for you. We love you enough to say you need to join a church, if not this church, then some other church. To become a member, to go through the membership class, and then to get truly connected. Because some are connected, but they're not members. And some are members, but they're not truly connected. I'm going to ask you to join the church. Well, let's Start very basically, what is the church? It seems like a no-brainer. Everybody knows what the church is. It's not a building. It's the people, right? Mark Dever says, primarily the church is a body of people who profess and give evidence that they have been saved by God's grace alone, for his glory alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. The church is a mixture of people of of all different races and backgrounds and and socioeconomic positions and different places in society and cultures. All of these human beings who recognize that they're a sinner in desperate need of a holy God and that Jesus is the bridge to bring them to God. They recognize that and they come together to be on mission, which is to take the gospel to the nations and to be busy about making disciples, making disciples. That's the church. It's the people of God. There has always been a people of God. In the Old Testament, it was the Israelites who were to shine as a light to the Gentiles, but the Gentiles were welcome. God's always been about reaching the nations. And now we see it's the church, but God has always had one people. It's one people of God always called to himself. Alec Motier, Old Testament scholar, says this, the whole Bible is bound together around the single theme, I will be your God and you will be my people. And that phrase is used throughout the Bible. God has been busy about the business of calling sinners unto himself to to be in fellowship with him through the gospel and fellowship with one another through the gospel. And one of the verses that highlights that is the verse that we've already heard two times today, but let's read it for a third time. Ephesians 3.10. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly 
places. God displays his manifold wisdom through us as he unites Jew and Gentile together and all these other people from different cultures and philosophies and and places in society. He unites us together, us right here, and he uses us to display his glory to the heavenly places. So that what we do collectively as a church is sending a message into the spiritual realm to angels and to demons and saying, look at the wisdom of God. He can gather all these different people together and when they come together, they don't fight, they love one another and they're on mission. They come from all these different places, but when they come together, they have one mission to make disciples of all nations and bring God's glory. That displays God's wisdom in the heavenly realm and it does it in the physical world as well. Church membership is about displaying God's glory. Well, why join a church? I'm going to give you seven reasons. The notes will be online if you can't write fast enough or if I speak too, too quickly. Reason number one, join a church because it's biblical. I'm going to show you as the sermon progresses that I think the Bible teaches church membership. Reason number two, join a church for the sake of non-Christians. When you join a church, you are coming together collectively to be this platform uh, of unity to display to the world that we are united around the gospel. We share a statement of faith. We're united in our doctrine and our theology. We, we, we agree to a covenant together and we encourage each one another to live a gospel-centered lifestyle. And we send that message to the world around us for non-Christians. Reason number three, join a church for the sake of weaker Christians. We saw this last week. God is not merely interested in your spiritual growth. He's interested in the spiritual growth of others here. See, and God wants you, I believe, to join a church so that you can encourage weaker Christians when they need help, when they need to be discipled by you, as we saw last week. Christian, this is your responsibility to help weaker Christians. And by becoming a member of the church, you buy into our vision to say, I want to be busy about relying on the spirit and praying for other people and sharing gospel promises from his word. Join a church for the sake of weaker Christians. They need you. Reason number four, join a church for the sake of church leaders. The pastors and elders of this church are called to shepherd the members of the church. And we cannot do that effectively if you just attend regularly. Hebrews 13, 17 says that the pastors and the elders, the leadership of the church will stand before the Lord one day and give an account as to how we shepherded you. That's a very weighty responsibility. And you can help us by joining the church. We can be effective at shepherding you by joining a church, by becoming a member, it enables the leadership to equip you to serve others since the pastors and the elders cannot shepherd everyone here. We can't know everyone's name. We try. Pastor Greg knows everyone's name for sure. I've given up on that dream. I really want to, and I'm going to try. But we're just too big. We're just too big for the elders and the pastors to care for each one of you. So by joining a church, you say, you can equip me to go and minister in your place. We will shepherd you. We will teach you. But we're just too big for a handful of us to do it. Membership gives you the opportunity to say, 
I am a part here. I will help relieve your burden by being equipped to serve. Reason number five, join the corporate health, join for the corporate health of the church, the church at large. You, you join a church so that the, the, the universal church scattered all around the world, that, that we can be united together to expose false gospels and to come together and to make a stand for Jesus in this world. We do that with the universal church. So join for the corporate health of the church around the entire world. Also, there are many one another passages in the Bible. There are weak and spiritually mature people here and in the church universal who need your encouragement. And by joining a church, you help learn how to be equipped in order to minister to believers all around the world. And believers here, weak believers are spiritually mature. We saw it last week. We can all be discipling one another. Reason number six, join for your individual health as a Christian. As a Christian, you need spiritual protection. We can so easily deceive ourselves, can we not? Can we not? Aren't we masters at justifying sin in our life? We can deceive ourselves or we may be deceived by others. Remember, how, how does the Bible refer to the people of God? As sheep, right? Sheep are dumb, right? None, none of us are, right? None of us here, the sheep in this local church, we're not dumb, are we? None of us are. But sheep need a shepherd. They need shepherds. And that's why we have pastors and elders here. By joining a church, you show humility and you say, I need other people. I need protection. I need encouragement. I need guidance. I need to be assured of my salvation from time to time. In joining a church, we are asking our church family to hold us accountable to live according to what we confess. Membership in a local church is that congregation's public testimony that your life gives continual evidence of the regenerating and transforming work of the Holy Spirit. I read a quote by Tim Keller this last week. He said, every Christian needs to give their brothers and sisters in Christ hunting licenses to come along and look into their life and say, you know what, brother? I love you enough to challenge you in this area. Join a church for your own individual health. Reason number seven is the best reason to join a church. Join for God. Join for God's glory. Join a church for the sake of God's name. Join a church to reflect God's glory because building the church is ultimately the work of God. What does it say in Acts 2? And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. It was the Lord. The Lord is building his church. It's his church. It's not our church. I know it's semantics, but you know, people say, oh, pastor, how is it at your church? It's not my church. It's his church. He gave his life. He shed his blood for his bride. So the Lord added to their number. He's building his church. And since the building of the church is God's business, and since his glory is attached to his church, how does he feel when his bride is attacked? How does any husband feel when their bride is attacked? When Saul, soon to become the apostle Paul in scripture, was persecuting the church, what did Jesus say to him? In Acts 9, 4, he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? 
Jesus so closely identified with himself with his church that he said Paul was persecuting him when Paul was persecuting the church. So if Jesus is closely identified with his church, how much more should we be identified with the church? By our being together in a church body, we are giving testimony and praise to God through our lives as we live and love each other together. God wants to display his glory in this world. And he, the main vehicle that he does it tangibly, that we can see, is through the church. The church is the vehicle that displays God's glory in this world. He wants his glory displayed. He wants the gospel to spread to all the nations. And when you join a church, you join the greatest mission of all. Isaiah 49, 6 says, It is too light... A, It is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. We can take God's glory. We can reflect his glory. We can take the gospel to the nations, to the end of the earth. Better if we band together to do it. We seize the privilege of evangelism best as we work together as one diverse but very unified people because we're unified around the gospel message. So join a church for the sake of God's glory. Join a church because it is through the church that God displays his wisdom to the heavenly realm, the angels and the demons that we don't see, that God is sending them a message as we come together as the people of God, and he's sending a message to the watching world as we come together united around the gospel. One of the healthiest things that you can do for your spiritual life is to connect with a local church. And by connect, I mean become a church member. All right, let's talk about the biblical background for church membership. I'm aware that people say, oh, church membership is not mentioned in the Bible. I I have heard that. I grew up saying that. Why do I need to join a church? Church membership's not in the Bible. It doesn't say thou shalt join a church and go through the church membership class. But over the years, I began to develop a biblical theology of the church and began to understand that being joined to a church was in fact very biblical. I think it's implicit in the scripture. Okay, Understand, we do not have indisputable texts that prove church membership, but we do have passages that imply formal inclusion into a local church body. Okay, let me say that again. We do not have indisputable texts that prove church membership. There's no text in Scripture that says you must join a local church or you're not a Christian. There's no verse like that. But we do have passages that imply formal inclusion into a local church body. Formal, not just inclusion, you come and you're a part, but formal inclusion. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 5, over to your left a little bit. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 is going to talk about this formal inclusion. Something happening in the church at Corinth. And I believe this passage implies church membership. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, we're going to read uh, the whole chapter. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you. And of a kind that is not tolerated even among pagans. For a man has his father's wife. 
And you are arrogant. Ought you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you. For though absent in body, I am present in spirit. And as if present, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. When you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus, and my spirit is present, with the power of our Lord Jesus, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Cleanse out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. But now I am writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, reviler, a drunkard, or a swindler, not even to eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. Here's what was happening in the Corinthian church. A man was engaged in an inappropriate relationship with his father's wife, probably his stepmother. Okay, we're adults here. We don't need to go further into that. That's all I want to say about that. This man was a Christian in the church involved in this inappropriate relationship with his stepmom. And Paul says the church is to exclude this brother from their fellowship, which implies that he was a member. This formal exclusion from the church implies formal inclusion. Okay, in a moment, we're going to talk about the exclusion process called church discipline. But now I'm building this case for church membership. Later on in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul will refer to the majority, which seems to refer to a, a, a group commonly recognized as the church members. Eventually, this man left this relationship. He repented. And Paul writes to the church and says, now that he's repented, you need to welcome him in. You need to forgive him with open arms or he's going to be discouraged. So as this man says, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm a believer. Scripture teaches against this. I'm forsaking that. Paul said, you welcome that brother in. Second Corinthians chapter 2. For such a one, this man, this punishment by the majority is enough. So you should rather turn to forgive and comfort him, or he may be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. The idea of the majority here, I believe, implies church membership. We also know from 1 Timothy chapter 5 that the early church kept a list of widows. That they were, a list was kept in track of how to care for them. And I believe that if widows were listed, that it is likely that a list of church members was kept and updated as well. But more important than churches keeping a list, God keeps a list of all believers. We saw this in Philippians chapter 4. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. God seems to keep a list of people, his people. Also in the book of Revelation, Revelation 21, 27, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. So it appears that God keeps a list of members in his church, 
We could also go to scores of Old Testament passages, you know, the ones that, that, that just warm your heart that you love to do. We love doing our devotionals out of like Ezra and Nehemiah and First Chronicles, don't we? You know, you got 12 chapters of names. And you're like, oh, this is so rich. Can't wait to share this with someone. You know the passages. Like Nehemiah 7, the sons of Solomon's servants, the sons of Sotai, the sons of Sophereth, the sons of Perida, the sons of Ja'alah, the sons of Darkon, the sons of Gedel, the sons of Shephatiah, the sons of Hatil, the sons of Pokereth, Hazabiam, the sons of Ammon. You know those passages that we read and it just warms our hearts? Those passages imply formal church membership. In fact, in Nehemiah 7, I think it says it three times that Nehemiah, they returned from exile and he said he got out the old genealogy of all the older people who are in the body. And he read it and he said, I'm going to start a new one for the, the new people that have come back. All of these passages imply formal inclusion into a church body through church membership. So based on those passages, I believe it is biblical to go through membership classes and become a member of a church if you would like to become a member of this church the next two sundays pastor greg at the ten thirty hour in grace hall is going to lead lead you through what it means to be a member here at grace we require a gospel lifestyle of repentance and belief affirmation of our statement of faith in signing our church covenant covenant we do not ask you to give blood Okay, some of you are wondering. We don't take your social security number. We don't take your your, uh, bank account information. We don't do any of that. We ask you to admit that you're a sinner in constant need of the gospel. We ask you to affirm our statement of faith and to sign a church covenant saying, by God's grace, I'm gonna live for God's glory with all the people here. That's it. Some of you may wanna retake the class. The church I pastored in Texas, I would have people retake the class. And they said it was so refreshing to me to be reminded of our statement of faith, reminded of our church covenant, reminded that I need the gospel every day. So if you want to do that, please email Pastor Gray. He would love to open his inbox this week and see like 40 messages that say new member class. He would love that. So don't prank him and just say new members class as the subject. And then you say, ha ha, I'm not joining the church. Okay, don't do that. But he would love to open his email and see 40, 50 messages from people saying, I want to join the church so I can display God's glory with everyone here. Okay, that's church membership. Now for the part that you've all been waiting for. Let's talk about church discipline. How does church discipline fit in with discipleship? You may have noticed that the word discipline and disciple have the same Latin semantic root. So they're related. What is church discipline? Is that in the Bible? We just read it, but maybe you're thinking, really? You would actually kick someone out of the church? You would actually say, I can't hang out with you? That's in the Bible. Church discipline is twofold in nature, though. First, understand that church discipline is formative. Paul talks about it in 2 Timothy. He says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Formative church discipline. This refers to how the word of God is always shaping and molding and conforming us to the image of Christ. 
formative discipline you want in your life. And I'm going to argue that you actually want corrective church discipline as well. James 1 talks about being not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. That's formative discipline. The second or the other side of the coin of church discipline is corrective church discipline. This is where the common phrase church discipline comes in. We read about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 with the immoral man. See, the reality is because we're sinners, sometimes church members will indulge in sin and need correction. Now, we all sin every day, numerous times a day, so this does not mean that you do church discipline because someone sins or we would always be doing church discipline on everybody all the time, right? We're talking about people who are involved in a known sin, that Scripture teaches it, and they're saying, I am not going to change. We're not going to come knocking on your door. The elders are not going to come knocking on your doors because they heard that you are purposely disobeying how you go through a roundabout. Okay? We all know there's a way to go through the roundabouts, right? But let's say honestly that you said, hey, the, the, actually the elders would come to you if you were purposely disobeying. If you were just doing it and you didn't know, we wouldn't come and say, look, man, you're in the outside lane and you try to go to the middle. Don't you know you're supposed to go to that this way? The elders aren't going to come and do that. But if you know that and you say, I know the way to drive through a roundabout, but I'm not going to change. And we would come to you and say, listen, brother, Scripture says we need to obey the law of the land. If you're not going to learn how to drive through a roundabout, if you're not going to stop at stop signs, if you're going to keep running red lights, we need to talk to you. And there would be a process of continually coming to this person if they said, I am not going to obey the laws of the land. I'm not going to stop at red lights. I'm going to drive through. Then the elders would come to you and say, listen, There's hard-hearted, unrepentant stubbornness there going against Scripture, and you're a part of this body. And that sin, even though it seems petty, will begin to spread throughout this church body. So the elders would come to something as insignificant as that if you're hard-hearted and saying, I am not going to stop at stop signs anymore. We would come to you and say, Scripture says, obey the law of the land. And that's what was happening with the man in 1 Corinthians 5. Paul said, you are to exclude this man because he knows this relationship is wrong. Jesus laid out the process in Matthew 18. He says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church... Let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. Notice the last phrase. If two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. Don't quote this verse if only five people show up at your prayer meeting. Jesus is talking about church discipline, about binding and loosing, about saying you're excluded from the church and we spiritually lock the doors to you. We will loose that. You can come back in. You can come back into the. But don't quote this verse if you've got six people in your Sunday school class, you say, well, Jesus said we're two or three are gathered. He's there with us. The context is church discipline. We know Jesus is there with you, okay? But he's talking about church. You say, where two or three are gathered together, and there's someone who refuses to listen to other believers, and they're purposely, willfully, unrepentant, hard-hearted, stubborn, refusing to obey Scripture, and they agree through a church process to exclude this person. Jesus says, I'm there with you. Jesus says, 
I got your back when you do that. Jesus is present when his church goes through the process of excluding someone because of hard-hearted, rebellious sin, when they are unrepentant, unchanging, and refusing to stop what they're doing. This is what Paul was talking about in 1 Corinthians 5. The man refused to give up the relationship. He was likely admonished by many people, and he flat out refused to stop. And this is key here. We're not talking about struggling with sin. We all struggle with sin. We're talking about someone who refuses to stop, refuses to quit, refuses to hate the sin, and they flat out say, I know this is wrong, but I will not stop. If this happens and the leaders and the elders and the pastors of the church and other people keep going to this person and saying, you need to stop, we love you so much, and they say, I will not do it, then Paul says, you bring it before the church. What does this process look like? You call the church together, you describe the situation, you say, this man or woman is doing this. They know it's wrong from Scripture. We've gone to them repeatedly and begged them to look to Jesus and see him as the greatest treasure, to change their ways, to not be deceived anymore, and they flat out refused. And we kept going, we kept going, and they are refusing to stop. So now Paul says you bring it before the church body, and Paul says you formally hand the person over to Satan. They are officially removed from the protective covering of the Lord and his church, and now Satan can have his way in their life. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5 that the person may actually die physically, but their spirit will be saved on that day. If corrective church discipline is carried out, then Paul instructs the church not to have contact with the person. You're not going to have your weekly meeting at Starbucks anymore. You're not going to email. The hope is that exclusion from the church body and removal from the protection of the Lord will cause this person to forsake their sin, repent, and then if that happens, the church is to receive him wholeheartedly with open arms, embracing him with gospel love and fellowship. So if we ever went through with the process and the person repented, we'd say, come back, brother. I know what it is to be deceived by sin. Come back. You are forgiven. Come back into the fellowship of the body. Is that process in the Bible? Yes. Jesus was down with it. Paul was down with it. There are other passages we could look at too describing corrective church discipline. 2 Thessalonians 3, laziness or refusing to provide for your family. Titus 3.10, a person who causes division and strife. It's pretty serious. Sometimes people cause division and strife in the church body. And if they're approached and they refuse to repent, to come back to Jesus, then this process may be carried out. There's a famous pastor who's had a profound impact on on my life. His church did church discipline on one of his sons. One of my friends, who's my professor at seminary and since then has become one of my friends, their church had to do church discipline on his mother-in-law. That was a real test of his faith. Do I believe that scripture teaches this? She's running around slandering the leadership and gossiping. And they had to do church discipline on his mother-in-law. Corrective church discipline is a tough, loving act designed to bring people back into fellowship with their Lord and his church. See, being a church member is serious business. But why? Because Ephesians 3.10 says it's through the church that God is displaying his glory. That's why it's serious how we live. One of the healthiest things you can do for your spiritual life is to connect with a local church. 
Now, let me land this plane practically for you and tell you why one of the best things that can happen to you spiritually is to become a member of this church. Become a member of the church when things are fine in your life. When you love Jesus with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. When everything's hunky-dory and you're like, I love Jesus. Why join a church then? Because there could come a day where you end up like the man in 1 Corinthians 5, where you are hard-hearted and you refuse to give up some sin. And in that moment, you will need the discipline of the church. You will want the discipline of the church. In that moment, it will pay off for you to have become a church member who believed in submitting to the leadership and joining others to a a church covenant. Join now while things are good spiritually so that, God forbid, if that day ever did come, there would be a group of people who would love you enough to see you transformed if they needed to go through that process. Will you join us? Will you join us on our mission to ignite a passion in every person, to glorify God, and to enjoy Him everywhere and everything? You can do that by becoming a church member. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace, your mercy, and your goodness. Lord, we're all just, that by your grace, we're a step away from turning away in hard-heartedness. Help us to continually rehearse the gospel and remember Jesus to think about how wonderful his love is. And may we want to live for you because you have been so good to us, Father. May we join together, Father, and be connected through church membership. God, may formative church discipline be happening in our our life daily as we read your word and live it out, God. And God, may our brothers and sisters around us love us enough that if we ever needed corrective church discipline, God, they would love us enough and love your glory enough to carry it through. Oh God, change our hearts. Remind us that you display your glory through us. Let that humble us. In Jesus' name, amen. Our hope is that today's message empowers you by God's grace to live God's way. For more information, visit us online at gracebath.net.